Welcome to Thriving with ADHD, a podcast where we'll share everyday practical tips to thrive in life as an adult with ADHD. This podcast is brought to you by Animosano Psychiatry, a behavioral health practice with a specialist ADHD clinic based in North Carolina. And this is your host, Nada Pupovac. Welcome to the new episode of Thriving with ADHD, dear ADHD community. Today we are talking about the impact of ADHD on mental health and self-esteem with our PAC, Stephanie Solomon. Stephanie brings a unique combination of educational and clinical experience to her role as physician assistant. Her expertise includes management of chronic illnesses such as diabetes, hypertension, and mental health conditions, as well as evaluation and treatment of acute illnesses through telehealth platforms. Stephanie's commitment to providing comprehensive and compassionate care is evident in all that she does, and we are looking forward to this conversation with her. Stephanie, welcome to Thriving with ADHD. I know you joined Animosano Psychiatry relatively recently, but you're already making a great progress, doing a stellar job, not only with our patients, but also educating your colleagues about various topics related to behavior health care. So I can't wait to dive into this conversation with you. Yeah, I'm excited as well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, please tell us a bit about yourself. What inspired you to pursue a career in healthcare, and what brought you to our team, to Animal Sano Psychiatry? Um, well, I've always knew that, you know, I've always known that I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what, what it was I wanted to do. So um, after I, I graduated with actually a psychology degree, it was something that was always an interest of mine, but I wasn't sure, you know, exactly what I wanted to do with mm-hmm. it or something else. And so I actually started, I was originally in a master's program for speech pathology, which mm-hmm. um that was my minor was communicative disorders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was very interesting, but just, it didn't feel right. You know, um, it didn't feel like my, you know, what I was meant to be doing. So I took some time to, um, explore different careers. Um, and someone, you know, kind of after talking to different people, someone said, what about being PA? Um, there's a lot you can do as a PA. There's a lot of, um, you know, variability as far as specialties. Um, and, and, that you could still have like a good work-life balance. And so I did some shadowing of some, you know, other PAs and doctors and just kind of exploring different, different um, careers. And that's kind of when I made the decision to go to PA school is I shadowed a couple PAs and they, you know, had great relationships with their patients. And that's what I, what I wanted, you know, I really liked that um, they were able to form relationships, you know, long-term and, you know, it was just something that I, that I knew that like I, I wanted, um, in my life. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I always, like I said, found psychiatry and psychology interesting, and I always found the human mind and how it works and behaviors fascinating. Um, so, um, but it kind of took me a while to, to kind of figure out specifically what, um, area I wanted to be in. So mm-hmm. I worked in primary care for a long time because, you know, that's where I had seen the relationships form originally mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. But um, during the pandemic, I saw more and more, you know, mental health illnesses come about and um, yeah. increasing, you know, and I just found it more rewarding helping these individuals than I did with, you know, actual physical illnesses. Um, 
So I started doing some, some research and I just happened to, to stumble upon um, Anamosano Psychiatry on LinkedIn, just mm. doing some you know, searches, maybe it was like through a connection, or I'm not sure exactly, but something about the company just seemed different or you know, special, um, like it seemed like a company that I wanted to be a part of. And so I, I just kind of re randomly re reached out to the practice manager and um, you know, figuring it was a long shot. And as it turned out, you know, my timing was perfect because they, they were hiring. Um, exactly, and, you know, yeah. Six months later, um, here we are. So, you know, I've been very happy with the practice. It's a great-, great I, I'm I am so glad we, we have you on board. So that's excellent. Um, now let's uh, move to the topic of, of this podcast and this episode. So we will be talking about ADHD and self-esteem. So mm -hmm. is there a connection between ADHD and our self-esteem? Yeah, absolutely. So um, low self-esteem is actually extremely common among people with ADHD. Mm -hmm. So. Um, due to poor executive function, they may not meet the demands or expectations of others or of themselves. Um, they may be used to people telling them, you know, that they've made a mistake. They're, they're always late. They're forgetful. They're lazy or they don't care. Um, they find themselves being subjected to constant correction and criticism. Mm. And this starts early on in their life. And, you know, typically it's ongoing into adulthood. Um, they're often made to feel as though they're not as smart or as capable as others. So, you know, even when it's coming from people that might mean well, it's still damaging when it occurs over and over again. Um, and not necessarily, you know, being told that by their parents, teachers, peers, which likely has happened, but witnessing it as well, um, they start to feel frustrated, embarrassed, humiliated, and discouraged after failing over and over again, despite their best efforts. Um, when they do do something wrong, for example, running late to something or they make a careless mistake, you know, they'll be especially hard on themselves mm. and say, I can't believe I was late again, or I'm such an idiot, I can't do anything right, you know? Mm. Um, and these struggles occur in many different areas of their life. So whether it be in like their professional lives, like school or work or personal lives in their relationships, um, and so, you know, the framework of how you see yourself is built by early life experiences, but it also adjusts over time with new experiences. Mm. Um, and now that more and more individuals with ADHD are getting diagnosed later on, these poor beliefs about oneself have already you know, formed and been compounded on um, over time. And so um, they may not believe in themselves. They see themselves failing before they even begin something. Um, and they have trouble forgiving themselves for their past mistakes and believe that they can never be as good as others or don't deserve their successes when they do achieve them. So the sense of failure, feel, feeling inept or stupid, um, you know, often causes people with ADHD to give up easily on things or think they shouldn't even try. And, you know, they're just always comparing themselves to others and, um, this constant feeling of defectiveness or inadequacy can also lead to um, hyper, you know, be feeling sensitive, um, hypersensitive to rejection or criticism. Yeah. So basically, yes, it's connected. Yes, yeah. it's developing yes. early on. And uh, it's very damaging for the person uh, with a condition. So you touched uh, a bit on um, 
influence of close people. So can we talk a bit more about how can support of, or lack of the support from family and friends impact self-esteem of people with ADHD? Yeah, so, um, well, a lot of our core beliefs about ourselves, you know, form when we're, we're young, very young. Um, yeah. Even as early as infancy, children start to develop trust in their caregivers, mm. um, you know, and so when kids start being called things by, you know, their family or parents, they may be, you know, called names like that they're dumb or lazy or they don't care about careless, you know, um, mm -hmm. or that they're an idiot. Um, but even when they don't overtly put down their children, you know, parents often get visibly frustrated um, when they don't act the way the child doesn't act the way that they want them to or expect them to um, or, you know, perform the way that they want them to. Um, and so this can cause a lot of stress, which can affect the whole family and cause the child to feel sad and sometimes result in, you know, oppositional or defiant behavior. And, and when they don't have a, you know, necessarily a cheerleader, um, I feel like everyone's kind of against them. Yeah. Just affects them. Yeah. Yeah. And is there some like common cultural or societal factors related to the condition that can impact the self-esteem sort of, I, I can imagine it goes broader than family or friend circle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, in starting around elementary school, children start to learn about different um, social and academic demands. So, mm. um, and when they have success, you know, this leads to a feeling of competence, but when they fail or don't, um, perform or, you know, the same as their peers, this can result in, you know, feelings of inferiority, inferiority. And so um, what they may experience a lot of academic failure or learning difficulties, um, and then being rejected by their peers. So, you know, seeing your peers have an easier time completing or achieving things makes, makes you wonder why do you have a harder time or take longer to do things. Um, and then as teenagers, we start to develop our sense of self and our personal personal identity. So when you see others doing things that you have trouble with, you start to have this negative appraisal of yourself and become you know, pessimistic and have self-doubt and low self-esteem. Um, and then a lot of you know, ADHD, um, people with ADHD may have other comorbid conditions like learning disabilities, um, Tourette's or tick disorders and neurodevelopmental disorders. Um, so the likelihood of having one of these other conditions is higher in individuals with ADHD. So this can cause them to have more social anxiety around and possibly be rejected by their peers. Um, another thing to mention is, you know, the stigma around ADHD and, and mental illness while improving, you know, becoming more um, evident is, um, you know, is still present. So I think that, you know, a lot of people still don't truly understand ADHD and how mm -hmm. debilitating it can be. And so people who think they might have it or, um, or that they have it, you know, they might be afraid to be open about it. Um, or they may even be in denial about their condition, which would only further impede, you know, their ability to move forward, um, or might discourage them from seeking treatment. Um, and especially, you know, girls and women um, are most susceptible to this because ADHD can present very differently in, in them. And um, a lot of women are being di diagnosed later in life and may feel that others, you know, might not believe them um, or that they have it and that they're making excuses for their struggles. 
So um, can we can we talk about low self-esteem and further impact on uh, one's mental health and well well-being? Yeah, definitely. So mm -hmm. um, these early failures in life can and likely will cause shame. So um, it's estimated that those with ADHD receive 20,000 corrective or negative messages by age 10. So they know that they're different from other people, um, but they don't understand why and uh -huh. they feel flawed, right? So over time, years of failure and this constant negative criticism has a significant impact on one's confidence and willingness to try things that they believe they're not capable or worthy of. Um, additionally, it can lead to this development of toxic shame where they believe that they're you know, inadequate, unworthy, and flawed. And so they may um, with, withdraw or lash out um, against others or feel the need to hurt others when they're, when they're feeling defensive. Um, they know that they're trying and you know, they don't know how to explain why they're having trouble or doing the things that they're doing. And so, especially um, in relationships. So a lot of relationships suffer because of, because of this. Um, also, you know, there's something called the, there's a, a cycle, like the shame cycle. So the shame cycle is when they start to, you know, have these negative self-talk um, internally where they start to say, I can't do this. I'll never, I'll never get there. I'm not capable of doing that. You know, I'm not smart enough. And all these negative thoughts and self-talk leads to um, these maladaptive or negative coping strategies. So even more procrastinating, avoiding doing things altogether, um, you know, crisis management when they do wait till the last minute or, you know, it's too late for something. Um, and then, you know, these negative coping strategies, um, results in just more negative emotions like depression, anxiety, anger, and frustration. Um, and therefore, you know, confirming your core beliefs that you're defective and a failure. Mm. So then, you know, they start to not, not always, but you know, these individuals, um, people with ADHD may be more, more susceptible to more disruptive behaviors like substance abuse, um, smoking, you know, crim criminal activity, mm -hmm. um, and even like reckless driving. So studies have showed that um, ADHD, you know, can increase the likelihood of traffic accidents and speeding tickets and DUIs. Um, and I also heard recently on a podcast that I think it was like 60% of inmates in prison have ADHD. And okay. so especially I think when undiagnosed, you know, all these negative feelings and shame lead to these maladaptive behaviors. Um, and these individuals are just more likely to be held back from reaching their goals. Um, and, you know, due to all these academic failures, more trouble in relationships or failed relationships and frequent issues with work performance or, or like interpersonal relationships at work. Yeah. It, it sounds like a vicious cycle. It sounds like, um, recognizing the condition, talking about it, um, breaking the stigma, hopefully is the way to go. And I hope we are doing that uh, with this podcast and with everything we are doing with in our practice. So um, yeah. yeah, I hope uh, more people find solution for, you know, at, at least acknowledgement and then solution for, uh, to the management of the condition. So now let's talk about the solutions. Let's talk about what we can do to improve 
uh, our self-esteem. This is for yeah. people with ADHD, but I suppose everyone can benefit from this conversation. So I suppose I, I will have two parts question for you. First is, what is it that we can do for ourselves if we're struggling um, with low self-esteem? Yeah, so yeah. first and foremost, you know, treat yourself with kindness and compassion. So strive to understand yourself and your condition. Yeah. Um, if you can accept yourself for who you are, it will it will be easier for others too as well. Um, mm. And, you know, surrounding yourself with people that support you and love you. So for who you are, right? So um, family and friends, if they don't understand and can't work with you and, or, you know, leave you because of, your, your faults that because of the condition, then um, you don't, you know, they don't deserve to, to be around you, right? So finding people that love you for who you are and also educating them on, on why you have these difficulties and so that they can help you as well. Um, and then maybe consider joining some support groups with others that have been through similar things. So there's a lot on social media now, um, you know, virtually or even in person, there's um, lots of lots of ways to, to join communities of others who have who have kind of had similar struggles, and I think that knowing that you're not alone is really just helpful in in itself. Um, and then, but as far as you know, going back to the treating yourself with compassion, you know, you have to also change your core beliefs about yourself. So, mm -hmm. making a new pathway to change your thoughts, decide where you want to go in life, um, and it will be hard because you've, you know, dealt with this lifetime of, of negative feelings. Um, so you have to work at it and it'll take time and practice, but, um, you know, when you start to, to feel the shame is about to rear its ugly head, you know, take a, a second to note your, your strengths and your talents, um, and do the, the work to strengthen them. Um, I heard on a, a podcast, another podcast recently, um, one lady, she describes all her, her negative self-doubts as her gremlins. Mm. And so she kind of um, just laughs at the gremlins, like if when they come out, like, oh, you, you know, like kind of just like laugh at yourself once in a while. Like if when you make a silly mistake and then just in the future, you know, learn from that mistake and move on instead of instead of calling yourself names or or um, ruminating on it. Mm. Um, another Another person on that podcast said that she kind of gives her the voices that, you know, with the negative thoughts, she gives them like names or, she, you know, they're like little personalities. So she like, will talk to them. And if they start to say, you know, you're, you're too stupid or lazy, she'll say, yeah, yeah. Like that's enough of you. Like, and then she'll just move, you know? So she's like telling the voice, like go away kind mm -hmm, of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and she finds that, you know, easier, it helps her to cope with that. Um, and not let it like affect her as much. So another thing that I wanted to, to mention was um, asking for accommodations. So ADHD is a recognized disability with the, the ADA, um, the American Disability Association. And so um, schools and employers may be legally obligated to provide accommodations, such as more time for tests or providing a quiet workspace, you know, whatever it may be that'll help you to perform better and so this can make all the difference because once you start to perform better then it'll help boost your self-esteem as you'll see what you're really capable of mm -hmm. um, and then also medication so um 
several of my patients, you know, note that they're hesitant or apprehensive to start ADHD medication, um, you know, because of the stigma around stimulants um, and they just think that, you know, they should be able to do it on their own. But mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is this, you know, the science and research show that you can do all the, you know, the things and have all the tools in the world. Um, but if you're, you know, your brain chemistry is just different, then sometimes this medication is just essential to kind of making that difference, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so, but the ones who, you know, do give it a chance, even despite their apprehension, they tell me what a world of difference it makes. And it really does. So, you know, while it won't treat the condition, it can provide the crutch or tool needed to do what you've had so much trouble with in the past. Mm -hmm. um, so one patient of mine, she described it as, um, it was like there was a door with a keyhole and she didn't know that there was even a key that would open it up or what that was mm -hmm. um, until she tried the medication. And I really like that analogy because until you see the difference it can make, you, you know, you might think this is all I am. I'm bound to struggle forever and it shouldn't have to be like that. So that's thank you for sharing that example. And um, yes, we on another episode of ours, we talked about workplace conditions so people can check that out as well. Uh, and these are all fantastic mechanisms to cope. And I suppose it's overall and comprehensive approach. There are many things that you can do for yourself. Uh, to lift yourself up basically. Yeah. Now, uh, the second thing, the second part is uh, what we can do to support others to yeah. boost them up, to give them, uh, you know, a bit more support in a right way and lift their self self-esteem. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if you are a parent or a loved one of someone with ADHD, yeah. let them understand their condition. Um, let them know that you know, while having ADHD shouldn't be used as an excuse, um, it, you know, probably explains why they have trouble doing certain things, um, starting tasks, you know, um, getting things done that they said they're going to do, um, you know, that, you know, remembering things. It doesn't mean that, that they're lazy or that they're, you know, dumb. It's just like, that's just, it's, it, those are executive functions um, mm -hmm. that, we, that they struggle with and that's okay. Um, so they may have to work a little bit harder, you know, than others to get the same results and that's okay too. Um, so come up with a game plan with them by pinpointing specifically what areas they struggle with and how to tackle them. So for example, you know, if they are constantly losing their keys, help them, you know, by getting a, a dish or a hook or something that they can put their keys on every time instead of knocking them down and telling them that, you know, they can't believe you lost your keys again, mm. help them, you know, figure out ways to, to um, kind of overcome that, that one obstacle. And, um, you know, the, the more they start to, you know, do better with those things, then their self-esteem will, will likely improve. Mm -hmm. um, so encouraging them to, you know, always do their best, um, and just motivate them and uplift them, not put them down. So, you know, I know it's probably easy to get frustrated, um, and just try to, to not, but, you know, and it might take practice as well, but, you know, remember they need a cheerleader. Um, and that's, you know, having that, that support will really help with them, um, making, making changes as well. So.
Yeah, and I, I think uh, there are uh, lots of uh, great resources out there uh, with uh, ideas for productivity relationships, arranging your space, um, uh, setting up reminders for yourself. And I, uh, I think um, patients, as well as their close ones uh, and loved ones, can learn those and, you know, help each other to get outside of this um, circle of frustration and uh, apply solutions really mm -hmm. to the situation. I think everyone will feel better that, uh, uh, in that case. Thank you for, for sharing this uh, valuable advice with us. And uh, we would like to finish our episodes with um, one thing that, that you would like our listeners to uh, come uh, to bring from this episode. So if there is anything that you would like people to remember uh, from this whole conversation, what that would be? Yeah, so, um, you know, one thing I wanted to say was, you know, if you have been diagnosed with ADHD, especially if it's later in life, it can be easy to feel kind of sad and angry, um, reflecting on your past difficulties, upset with those who put you down. Um, mm -hmm. And instead of grieving the past or what could have been, have gratitude for, you know, the chance to to make changes. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, have gratitude for your diagnosis if you've been diagnosed um, and look forward. So, you know, striving to understand why you or your loved one is the way that they are. Um, instead of wishing you were normal or neurotypical, um, this understanding is the key, I think, to thriving with a condition. And so, you know, build your support system, identify your strengths, accept yourself and work hard and you will thrive. And don't be, you know, don't feel afraid or embarrassed to seek help um, from whoever, you know, it may be that, that can provide that for you. So, Excellent. Excellent. Uh, thank you, Stephanie, so much. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I hope we'll have you again uh, on our podcast with another topic. So, uh, yeah, th uh, that's it for today. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Nada. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to Thriving with ADHD. This show is produced by Animal Sano Psychiatry. Please follow, rate, or share our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other streaming app of your choice. Music is by Daddy's Music from Pixabay. For more information about Animal Sano Psychiatry, please visit animalsanopsychiatry.com.